Heavenly Father, your word is going to go forth. Father, I pray that it find a place in the hearts of your people. I pray that they are encouraged and edified and strengthened. So, Father, use your word to draw your people to you, to enhance our prayer life, to guide us, to rebuke us. Show us where we can go. Do just what you want to do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, remain standing. I'm going to go ahead and read our passage this morning. The text is coming from Psalms chapter 6. When you have it, sh shout amen. If you don't have it, say hold on. All right, all right. Let, let's get there. Take our time and find it again. I will be in Psalms chapter 6. We'll read the whole verse. I would appreciate it if you meet me there. All right. It reads as such. Oh Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you and Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all of my foes. Depart from me, you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Amen. You guys may be seated. Last month, there was a guy named Troy Williamson. And he walks into a Jacksonville gas station and not really happy with the person who's ahead of him in line. He begins to say some things, exchange a few words, and then this becomes a physical altercation. He attacks this woman. He brutalizes this woman right there and then decides to just leave. Well, living in our digital age, of course, there was cameras that caught this. It was on social media. It was all over the news. So eventually they find him. He's arrested and brought in. And as he's being arraigned, I believe, and going before the judge, they set his bail at $50,000. A little steep, but for, given what he did, I felt like it was appropriate and he appeals to the magistrates, to the judge, and asks for leniency to the extent that he wants the bail brought down to zero. Of course, they didn't bring it down, and they may have even um, increased it. But nonetheless, I was in agreement with what they were doing. But how many times are we guilty? And we have a judge that we have to go to. 
Where do we go when we have offended God? I believe this morning that Psalms 6 will be able to help us with that this morning. And we're going to see that we don't only have to go to God with our sin, but we can bring our agony, we can bring our enemies to him as well. You see, David says here in the first verse, Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, discipline me not in your wrath. And when I'm reading that, I'm like, David, that's, that's some gall you have there. You mean to tell me you're guilty and you're going to tell God how to discipline you? You know, I'm thinking, David, isn't this the God who gave you your position? I understand you're the king, but you're talking to the king of kings. But, you know, as I look closer at this, this isn't just David trying to tell God what to do or David trying to get out of something. I mean, just imagine if your child had... Uh, completely disobeyed you, totally did what you instructed them not to do. Just imagine if they begin to tell you then how the disciplining was going to happen. <laughs> and, and that's almost how it, it reads at first is that here is the guilty party telling the holy judge how the sentencing should go. But as I looked at this a little bit closer, I realized what, what David is really doing is appealing to a God that he knows, appealing to a father that he has a relationship with, knowing that he can go to him with his sin, with his guilt, and still receive mercy and grace. See, a lot of times we don't like to uh, fully uh, own our own sin. You know, and, and that's what David is doing. That's what I like about what he does. He, he doesn't come to God and tries to get God to sign off on his mess. He doesn't even try to forge God's signature of approval on his sin. He comes to him and he's saying, I need your rebuke. I need you to instruct me when I am wrong. I need you to discipline me. But don't do it in your wrath. Don't do it in your anger. He knows that he can appeal to the mercy of a loving father. Do y'all mind if I talk about sin for a little bit? See, we, in our, in our culture, submitting to the things of God is not high on the list. If I can be honest with you this morning, it's not even on the list, not for the broader culture. But then we have some believers that will come to you to tell you the sin that you are struggling with, that you are trying to resist, the thing that you are fighting against, they will tell you God doesn't want you to be bothered with that or weighed down with that. They will say, well, you know, 
that's not really what the Bible says. And then if you explain to them that, well, clearly from Scripture, I see that this is something that God is not in agreement with. This doesn't line up with what he wants. They will go on to tell you that it's just an interpretation. That interpretation is off. Actually, there's a new interpretation different than what the tradition of Christianity has showed us. They are trying to get God to sign off on their mess, but Paul has already told us about people like this. Paul said there are going to be people that are going to tell you what you want to hear, that they will suppress the truth in unrighteousness because their thinking has been darkened. Their understanding is darkened and their thinking is futile. And if you really think about it, it sounds just like what happened in the garden. That's not what he really said, did he? That's why it's so important, saints of God, that we read this because in it we can find what sin is. We can find what, uh, what is outside of God's laws. We can find what God requires of man, what true religion is. We can find the things that God's, God hates. That way when we are out in the world, we don't have to hear somebody saying something and be swayed by it because we know exactly what the word of God has already told us. But I want to tell you today, sin is still sin. God is still a holy God. And we can bring our sin to him and he'll deal with it. That's my, that'll be my public service announcement on sin. We can, we can get back to the text, if you will. So David says, oh, Lord, rebuke me, not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. He goes on to say in verse 2, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. How long? Turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for your steadfast love. In death, I can't remember you. And Sheol, who is going to give you praise? I'm weary with mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of my foes. Here he is in anguish. David is in complete anguish. And this psalm is a psalm of penance. And penance is just a, a fancy way to say confession. Here is David going to the Father, confessing his wrong, and asking God to deliver him. Now, he's at a state of agony. I mean complete agony. And in our world today, agony is all around. Agony is all around. When you look at the news and you can see that, um, you can see that the, the war that is going on over there in Ukraine, those victims would tell you agony. Just think about the shootings that are happening in our nation. 
Chicago, New York, Texas, those victims would tell you is straight up agony. And if David was here today, he'd tell you when your child is sick and you can't solve it, agony. When the enemy is attacking you and there is no end in sight, agony. When you are left motherless and fatherless, agony. When was the last time you felt agony? See, when agony enters in, it will dominate your life, dominate your mind with worry, constant worry. It will cause you to not want to eat. It will cause you to lose sleep. You will be in a state of grief, weeping, and even sometimes uncontrollably. And maybe, maybe uh, agony hasn't pierced your side this year or this month. But at some point, agony is going to breach your security parameters and it will be at your doorstep. Whether it is agony of a sin that you have done against God and it, it has come upon you or someone is inflicting pain on you in some sort of tragic event. Either way you look at it, agony is a exists in our world, and we are not immune to it. There was a couple in 2013 uh, that was just getting married. Troy, Troy and, no, not Troy, sorry, y'all. Uh, Buck, Buck and Tasha, they were getting married just had tied the knot, set out for their, their honeymoon, and they get to their destination, and they are going to spend a week together. So they are enjoying each other's company, going to various places, sharing new experiences with, with each other, and just having a, a great honeymoon, uninterrupted time together. The week ends. They go back to the hotel, pack up their SUV, get all in the car and everything packed, and they set out for home, getting ready for the rest of their lives together. And they buckle up. Tasha is in the passenger seat. Buck is driving. Tasha has her blanket on, and she's asleep, and they're heading home. All of a sudden, Tasha is jarred awake by the SUV flipping in over in. And it finally comes to rest, upside down, wheels in the air, Tasha laying pressed against the, the ceiling. Emergency personnel show up. They have to call uh, uh, the medivac. She's airlifted. They airlift Tasha out. Once she is out of surgery and everything, she's informed that her leg had to be amputated and that her husband didn't make it. Just a week being married. Two families in agony. Agony is all around in our world. 
How do we deal with it? Where do we go with it? And when we look at David's situation here in the Psalms, he didn't seem too immune to it, and we're not immune to it. What does he do? He takes his agony to the only one who has a real solution. He takes his agony to God. And that's, that's what we can do. That's exactly what we can do. And you hear him describing in great detail what this situation is like. And God knows and understands what he's telling him. See, this kind of agony is out here. It is real. It can hit our lives at any point in time. And David brings it to God along with his enemies and along with his confession of his sin. I ask you again, have you ever felt agony? Even when was the last time? Did you pray like David? I'll tell you right now, my way of doing it is not always let me go right to the word of God. Let me go straight to God. I'm always thinking logically. Okay, what's the best thing I can do to solve this problem, to mitigate anything and move on? Put this behind us. That's always my knee-jerk reaction. That's how I tend to do it. But we can learn from David that we can go to God. And that's what the Psalms are. When we look at the body of the Psalms, it is ultimately a, a guide in prayer, teaching us how to go to God in any state, in any kind of situation that we are in. The Psalms run the full gamut, the full spectrum of all human emotions. And just like David, we can bring these things to God. And that's what we see here. With all this anguish, he turns to the only true answer. He turns to the Father. See, when we read the, the rest of that, just listen at the joy here was all of this agony. And you may be wondering, what would cause that kind of agony? Well, the situation that David found himself in was that his own family was turning against him. His own son was turning against him. And, and as a result of him being with Bathsheba, taking his friend's wife, this was a result. The prophet went to him and told him what God said. And God told David, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to take the throne from you. But the sword will be in your house forever. So now, God's word is coming to pass. 
That is why the king appeals to the father's mercy and says, discipline me, but not in your wrath. Rebuke me, but not in your anger. He understands that he is guilty. I'm so glad that I can bring my guilt and my sin to a God who's merciful, a God who is just. And that's what David is doing. And at this particular juncture in his life and in history, David's son, some of the same issues David was dealing with, it happens to his son. His son is committing incest. The other son is committing murder. And he has to deal with this. You can see where his anguish is coming from. And he goes to God. Lord, I know that this is because of what I did. But will you rebuke me not in your wrath? Would you instruct me in, a, in, a, in your mercy? Would you guide me in the way that I should go? Could you do that in your grace? And if you were wondering if God answered him, let's see what the rest of the passage says. Verse 8. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. They shall be put to shame in a moment. How is David going from all of this anguish, weeping uncontrollably, so troubled that, it, that he feels it, in his soul, in his bones. How does he go from that to joyous, to praise? How is it that he's finding joy? Because you can just hear his heart singing. You can, you can hear the, the, the rain clouds moving and the sun is shining. You can just sense that and how he has penned these, this song. And you have to ask the question, how does he go from agony to rejoicing? Well, God has already spoken to him and let him know what's going to happen. It's in 2 Samuel, the seventh chapter where God sends a prophet to, to the king to let him know. I'll read it for you this morning. 2 Samuel 7, verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture following sheep that you should be prince that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you 
wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over, over my people Israel, I and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body and will establish his kingdom? He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he, co when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. God had given David a promise. And as David owns up to his mess, as, as David confesses his sin, seeks God's uh, loving instruction, brings to God his agony, brings to God his enemies, God reminds him of the promise. So here is David dealing with all of this. And sometimes, y'all, when we are in the thick of agony, we can lift our head into the cloud of heaven to see what's going on. Sometimes our situation is just too intense. That's why we have to be able to go to God, to, to ask him for help in some way. Because when we do that, God can remind us by the Holy Spirit, remind us that where we currently are is not the end. David going through all that he was facing that's bringing him agony. As he's facing all of this, he can't think about what God said to him years ago. His situation is so intense that he's not going beyond that. But because he brings it to God, God reminds him of the promise. See, and this promise was reminding the king that, look, your kingdom is going to Last forever. I'm going to raise up kings, uh, kings from you. I'm going to raise up a king from you 
that's going to be on the throne forever. That was the promise that I'm going to defeat your enemies. And your current situation is not the end. David is praying to God and have written this psalm to the congregation. They are out there to be read and worship. David confesses, you know, publicly. And as he does so, the other people, the rest of the nation can confess their own sin, or is learning to bring their agony to God and bring their enemies to God. And they can, can get the same joy. They can find the same solution. And how do they find it? Because they are reminded of the promise. That, that this situation is not the end. You are not going to die in this situation and this just be the end of it. See, for us, we have a promise. God has given us great and precious promises, called us his own. He has, he has taken the time to, to justify us, to sanctify us, so that we won't be children of his wrath, objects of his anger, but his very own that he deals with with love, that he instructs in mercy and grace. We have promises. We have been called to the Father. Just like God called David from following the sheep. He was so young as a shepherd that he wasn't even leading the sheep. He was following them. But just like God called David, he has called us. That house that he was telling David that is being built up, we are members of that house. We are the members of that house. And there are enemies that want to come against it. But the God that we serve, he is the true king. The true king in such a way that he overcomes our rejection of him and wins us to himself. Wins us to himself, rules us, and defends us. So much so that he defeats not only all of his enemies, but all of ours. That's our father. That's our God. See, God is, God is letting David know that this is not the end. And I want to remind you guys that one of these days, we will be in the eternal kingdom where enemies can't come in. He, he's already told us, he's given us that promise that I have gone to prepare a place for you. His, his original plan is to be with us. 
and he's restoring that, and he's going to bring us in a home so we can be with him. But how does he deal with the presence of this agony? How does he, does he provide a solution to the current issue David is dealing with? In his time, God's going to work it out. And that's what he will do for you. I know I've seen him do it for me. One job that I had years ago, we had like uh, two departments working very close together, and one of the departments had a meeting, an early morning meeting, and I was not a part of that department, even though my department works with them, so I didn't need to go. And once I came into work, somebody told me that, hey, you know, when we had that meeting this morning, such and such was telling management that you don't do your job and you don't help out. And I was like, what? I know I do what I'm supposed to do. So I said, well, I'm going to go talk to management myself. I'm going to figure out what went on because I'm not just going to let somebody talk about me behind my back. We're going to get this straightened out. And that's what I'm thinking to myself. But the person goes on to tell me, look, when, when the meeting was going on, I spoke up and said that I don't see that. And I see you doing this. And there was like a few other people who was like, yeah, he usually is doing his job. We haven't seen that. And as I'm walking away from that person, I can just sense the Holy Spirit telling me, as you laid comfortably in the bed this morning, I was defeating your enemy. I was fighting your battle. After the Holy Spirit, after I sensed the Holy Spirit telling me that, I said, I don't need to go to management. It's already handled. And to this very day, management haven't asked me one thing about that. God really does defeat our enemies. He really does. And we can go to him. We can bring our enemies to him. We can bring our sin to him. We can bring our agony to the Father. And just like David, we will be able to rejoice seeing that the God that we serve has given us promises that says that current state that we're in is not the, not the end. And we can find joy and peace in that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has gone forth. Will you use it? Will you let your people feast on that throughout this week? Lord, show your people how you handle our sins. You are the true solution. It is only in Jesus Christ that our sins can be washed. It is only in you that, true, that the true source of agony can be dealt with and dealt with eternally. 
It's only in you that our enemies will be utterly defeated. Father, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.